We're continuing our series in eternal government, and we're actually concluding our series here this morning. We have been looking at what it means to be a disciple of Christ and what it takes for us to mature. So many times we've heard this idea of discipleship, and and with it comes this knowledge of, if I have the right information, I will then be the right person that God wants me to be. And we've talked about how it is a discipline to govern our life means to take mastery over our lives. And we want to see how that takes place within us. You know, back in, I think it was 2007, church back in Chicago, Willow Creek, a large church, probably about 20,000 people, did a series that was called Reveal. And what they did is they went through and they tracked the growth of the people in their community. And what they found after years was that the majority of people who came into their doors were not maturing in their relationship with Christ. And they talked about that that in this series that they did called Reveal. And they had to reevaluate everything that they did, how they were doing church, because it wasn't helping people to grow up the way they had wanted to, the way they were longing to. And, and so many people, I remember when this study came out, it was in Christianity Today, so many people just jumped on their case. Well, we knew they weren't doing it right. Yeah, they were too seeker-friendly. There was all kinds of criticism that was thrown at them. But what I thought was very honest of them was they shared what their results were. They actually said, this is what we looked at. This is what we found. This is where we are. Where do we go from here? And so many places, so many communities of faith don't ever ask that question. Are people really growing up? Are people really maturing in their faith? Are people moving forward? Or are we just coming and going through life never changing? never becoming the people of God that we really want to be. We all just kind of do the church thing. And I really commend them for looking and scrutinizing themselves and what they were doing to see if it was effective or not. Most communities don't do that. And as we've been going through this series, we've been trying to get to the foundational things that will help us to move forward, to become mature in our faith. We talked the first week about our mindset and how we have to see things clearly to know where we really are and where we're really going. We looked at 1 Corinthians 13 where Paul says we see, we see through a mirror dimly reflected. We, we don't see things as clearly as we should, and we have to recognize that on this side of eternity, we're never going to see things completely as clear as we ought to. And so we have to be aware of our limitations, and we shouldn't be troubled by those limitations. We also looked at Romans chapter 7, Paul's little schizophrenic moment where he says, the things I want to do, I don't do, but what I don't want to do, that do I do. And it was real important for us to understand that in this little dialogue that Paul has with himself and with us, that what he's trying to do is convey to us the dilemma that we all find ourselves in. And what he was revealing to us in those passages was what I want to do 
is now the core of who I am. That I am a new creation in Christ. 1 Corinthians 5.17 The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That is who I am. However, I still carry this body, this flesh. And so there are still things that I do that I don't want to do. And what we looked at was the core of what he is saying is, this is who I really am. The things that I do are still lagging with me. They're still tagging along. But what I really am, who I really am, the things I really want to do, that is my identity. And I embrace that identity in spite of the problems that I have in my own life. You see, if Paul was evil, if he at the core was now just a person who didn't care about God, what he would say is, the evil that I want to do, well, that I do. Because it's no problem. And it wouldn't be a problem because that's what he would want to do. The fact that there is turmoil in our lives, and we're going to look at that conflict a little bit more this morning, the fact that there is turmoil in what we want to do and yet what we do is evidence that something is taking place within us. So many people just say, oh, I can't do it. I give up. It's too hard. I, I always stumble. I always fail. I always think the wrong thoughts. I always do the wrong things. I'm just, I'm going to give up. Yeah, I, I can't give up. I guess I'll just go to church. And they live defeated lives, not recognizing that this is part of the conflict we have. We know who we are, and we are pushing our way there in spite of our difficulties, in spite of our hardships, those things that we struggle with. And, and then we looked at our responsibility. We, we talked about in Genesis 3 how Adam was real quick to throw Eve under the bus. And Eve was real quick to blame the serpent. And how we have this tendency to not want to own, really, our own faults. It's real easy to blame other people, other circumstances. And if we give the blame of who we are and put it on someone else, then we will never have the ability to own who we really are and change our circumstances. It'll always be up to someone else. And if we give someone else that power that they're responsible for who we are and don't take it ourselves, then we can't expect to change. We really have to own who we are. We said that the future that God creates, he does through the people that he calls. We need to recognize that God has called us to fulfill a role. We talked about Noah, how very easily we could say it was this man, Noah, who saved the human race. We're used to saying it was God who saved the human race, and God did, but he did through the man, Noah. And Noah had to step up and fulfill that thing that was before him that God had called him to do. In the end, the story of who you are is being written with the pen in your own hand. And we have to own that. You are who you want to be. Now the question is, are you who you want to be? Because if you're not, you need to make the changes to get there. You need to recognize that God has done what is necessary for you to be there, what you want to be. And you need to pursue that and live in that way. And today what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about fuel. I was struggling what to call this. I wanted to call it power, 
we call it energy, but energy sounds so new agey. You know, people would then label me a heretic if they haven't already. And so I thought fuel was safe. You know, we all need fuel to, to survive. This morning, I stopped and got a, a vente, a fuel, in the form of caffeine to give me some energy, to give me a boost. You, you eat a breakfast or you eat a lunch and you intake these things that are giving you sustenance and they're giving you the ability to, to accomplish the things that you need to throughout your day. And we have to take care of ourselves. We have to be able to watch out for what we bring in so that we have enough to do what we ever have to do, work-wise, whatever it is. And, and have you ever been there where you start doing something and maybe you forgot to eat? I don't do that very often. Uh, you say, yeah, we could tell. Um, but I used to do it quite a bit. In fact, when Karina and I were first dating, you know, I was a lot, I was half the man I am today uh, in so many ways. And she used to say, did you eat? And I would stop and I'd go, I don't know. I don't remember. And I used to forget to eat. I, I can't believe that was the case, but it, it, it was. I would just forget to eat. And then all of a sudden you find yourself kind of, man, I'm feeling real weak. I'm feeling real dizzy. Did you eat anything? No. Oh, there's why. You didn't put fuel into your body that now you can utilize, and so you're, you're running out of gas. You're, you're running out of energy. Have you ever had like a portable radio, and you're playing it, and you're using the batteries, and all of a sudden the song, especially when it was cassette tapes. I know we don't have those anymore. But it used to all of a sudden, you know, and you're like, what's wrong with this song? It's kind of lower than it energy is running out, the batteries are going dead, and you, you recognize, oh no, I, I, the batteries are gone, I need to replace the batteries so that I can continue hearing the music, so things can continue in the way that we should. And so we see that there is a necessity to, to fuel our lives so that we can move forward, and that's in spiritual matters just like it is in natural matters. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to start at verse 13. You and I were designed to live in an intimate relationship with our Creator. And if we live in a way that is healthy, if we do the things, if we take in the things that we need to, the fuel that we need to, it will produce healthy lives. And so we want to look at what it is to and what fuel we need to be able to live healthy lives. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. If anyone needs a Bible, raise your hand and Alex can get you one. Sorry, I forgot to say that. Galatians 5, verse 13. Keep your hand up and he'll get it to you. Paul writes, You brothers were called to be free, but do not use your freedom 
to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. If we are going to live a life that keeps in step with the Spirit of God, then we need to fuel ourselves correctly. We need to put within us the things that will help us to do what we need to do. There are times when we just run out of steam, and it can take many things in in our spiritual walk as well as our natural walk that take us off track. How many of you have ever gotten an argument maybe with your husband or wife and then had to go to work? (laughs) I didn't ask you to raise your hands, but thank you for doing that. (laughs) I appreciate that honesty there. I I don't know if you knew that, Scott, but anyway. (laughs) I think we all have. I, I think we've all been in a place where, you know, we've gotten a fight. You know, maybe it happened this morning coming to church. You guys got in the car and you go, why don't you do that? I'm late. Why do you always make me late? You know, and you get here, hi, praise God. You know, (laughs) and then you're sitting there at work and and you can't do your job because you're distracted. Why would an argument with your wife affect the way you train a dog or the way you do engineering? Why, Why would it cause this kind of pulling out of that power, pulling from you your resources to do something effectively because they're connected. Now, we don't like to think about those things as being connected. We don't like to to think that really the way we live and the things that we do affect every area of our life. So many times we think, well, if I don't get caught, it won't affect those around me. If I do something that I shouldn't do, but no one knows about it, it's cool. I I can get by life and it won't have any effect, but we don't realize it. it just doesn't work that way. It affects who you are and it affects the world around you. It affects your behavior. It affects 
the connection that you have with those that you love and those who care about you, those who you work with, those who you have influence with. It has an effect. It takes energy. It, it depletes you. you. You start running on empty. You start running on fuel that's just going to end. I don't know how many times I've been in a car that has run out of gas. It used to happen a lot more when I was younger for some reason and didn't have as much money. And you play that game. Okay, it's down. Okay, the light's on. Okay, I, it's still not below the line. I, I got about 10 miles left. And you're on the freeway and all of a sudden, ah. And, you know, once that happens, it's over. It just dies. You pull What happened? I ran out of gas. And in our life and in our spiritual life, so many of us are, are going and all of a sudden we just, man, run out of gas. I've got no energy. And we don't realize that it's connected to the way we behave. It's connected to the things that we do. And, and so we are designed to live in this relationship with God, which in turn brings health to our mind, our body, and our life. It produces what Galatians talks about here, fruit. If you're living in this relationship with God and if you are engaging in the things, fueling yourself up in the things that bring health to you, it, it brings and produces good things from your life. And the same is contrary. If you aren't doing the things you should, you start seeing the other things being produced in our lives. We, we have the possibility to use our lives to bring either destructive behavior or, or good behavior. And it doesn't matter if you read the Bible, if you pray, and if you go to church, if you're still engaging in things that are detrimental to you, these things that Paul mentions here, then you're going to find yourself running out of fuel very quickly to live a spiritual life. The, the fruit is going to be rotten. What, what's feeding the tree is poisonous. And it's no good. Have you ever put something in the refrigerator that maybe like onions or fish and it wasn't properly closed and it just kind of filters into everything? And so now you eat that peach and it tastes kind of like fish. <laughs> it, it contaminated it. It affected it. We're foolish if we think our lives aren't the same way. And we want discipleship to be just about moving forward and increasing in our lives. We, we, we want our lives to move forward, but we don't take responsibility for the things that we do, the things that we engage in, and we think that they are detached from who we really are. I think we need to ask ourselves a question. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Not just what am I doing, but why? Why am I behaving the way I'm behaving? And not so much, is it okay to do these things? I, I always get troubled when people ask me, you know, is it okay if I do this, you know, behave like this? You know, my girlfriend and I, how far can we go before it's a sin? You're not dating my daughter, are you? And that kind of thinking, that kind of question just produces 
what kind of behavior? Why are you asking that question? And sometimes people want to ask, you know, is it a sin to do this? And I feel like asking, you know, instead of asking me if it's a sin or not, maybe you should ask this, is it stupid? Because Jesus surely saves us from our sin, but he doesn't always save us from our stupidity. And people do a lot of stupid and destructive things. Oh, are they Christian? Yeah, they're, they're saved as far as I know. I'm not the one who makes the final grade. But what they're doing is just destructive. Is it a sin to smoke? I don't know. But it sure doesn't seem very smart. It doesn't seem very good for you. So maybe it's just not good. And maybe you ought to look at things a little different, like how is what's happening in my life producing good things in my life? Or what is happening in my life that is bringing me down and bringing deterioration to my life? How am I moving forward? You see, in Corinthians 10, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, Paul said, all things are lawful for me, but not everything is beneficial. You can do what you want, but it's not always what's best. And so you have to decide what's best to help me move forward, to help me to grow up. What things am I a part of that are good and what things am I a part of that are destructive? And it happens in so many areas of our lives. And you guys know what it's like to do stupid things. We all do. I'm lactose intolerant. Just thought I'd share that with you all. <laughs> and so when I get a giant bowl of ice cream and I eat it and I find myself double, doubled over at 2 a.m., I can't blame Haagen-Dazs. It wasn't their fault. I just did something stupid. I fed myself something that my body can't handle and my body said, ah, Something like that. <laughs> and you see, the same thing happens when you engage in activities that aren't healthy. Your spirit cries out. It gets poisoned. Your relationship with God is affected. And as we look at this list of these things that Paul mentions in verse 19, it's pretty telling. I mean, he says, the acts of the, sin of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I mean, he lists a lot of things here. And man, we, we see some of these things and we go, man, yeah, witchcraft, that's pretty bad. That's a bad thing. But do you realize that witchcraft is in the same category as jealousy? It says orgies. Yeah, that's a pretty obvious one. That's not a good thing. And it's in the same category as dissension or discord or anger. 
And most likely, some of those things are a part of our lives. We are involved with anger and with discord and disruption. And that's a part of what's going on in our lives, in our homes, with our kids, with our family members, with our co-workers, with our friends, whatever it is, in our relationships. We have these things taking place and we can look at some and say, oh, those are really bad, but what about those other ones? What about the ones that are a part of who we are? You see, there are some of us here, some of you here that are not maturing in your relationship with Christ because you can't let go of bitterness. You can't let go of anger. You live in discord in your relationships. And you wonder, why do I keep having these struggles? Why do I keep stumbling? Why is it so hard for me to get over that hill? And yet, what you're feeding yourself is discord, is bitterness, is jealousy, is envy. And you're only reaping what you're sowing. You're, you're giving in to these areas of your life. You're feeding on these areas. They're a part of your life. And so you don't get over it. It holds you back. And you have to see, we have to see, it is related. You can't live a life of bitterness and expect to have the freedom and the joy and the beauty that comes in a life of Christ. They are canceling each other out. They are shorting each other out. You will run out of gas. You will get to the top of the hill and it will grab its hooks in you and it will pull you back and say, where do you think you're going? Why? Because you're living with these things. They are part of who you are. And you're not owning it and you're not killing it. You see, because what we need to do is to be crucified. What we need to do is crucify these things excuse me, so that we are no longer alive to them. We need to put them to death. In verse 17, he tells us, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit. There is conflict. There is this battle, and this is very similar to Romans 7, as we talked about. There is this conflict that is taking place. You know, try to feed a little kid Brussels sprouts when there is a bowl of ice cream right there. Put, put them both on the table. Hey, here's some Brussels sprouts and here's a bowl of ice cream. Eat your Brussels sprouts. You guys know what happens? And it does, you know... I mean, Brussels sprouts, because I hate Brussels sprouts. Those are just the nastiest things. Peas and a candy bar. Piece of cake and some kind of vegetable. <laughs> you don't get the cake until you eat your vegetables. Man, that cake will just haunt them. Is this enough? No, you've got to finish them all. 
The cake is calling to me. There's conflict. I really want the cake. I really want these things. And they're longing for whatever that treat is, that dessert, that sugar. And, you know, we develop a habit for sugar. Our bodies start to crave those things. Our bodies start to crave caffeine, at least mine does. You guys know, man, you don't get your coffee in the morning, get a headache, get irritable, start snapping at people. That's why I always make sure my wife has a cup of coffee in the morning. (laughs) Yeah, you know, that's not true. You know, and our bodies start craving these things. You never see it so obvious as you do in a woman who's pregnant. A woman's pregnant, her body starts screaming to her, I need carbs now! (laughs) Because that baby is demanding and her body knows exactly what she needs to satisfy that craving. I need a fried burrito. (laughs) And some of that stuff, it just doesn't make sense. I need a pickle dipped in chocolate. Why? Because my body craves it. This child in me is demanding that I eat these things. And they don't stop demanding until they're like 28, I think. (laughs) And you see, your body is pulling for these things, wanting these things. And we don't realize that we start craving these things and we can actually train our bodies to the things that we need. Just like we do with caffeine, just like we do with sugar, just like we do, I mean, you can actually wean yourself off of those things where you start desiring good food. If you eliminate the junk food, you will actually start to crave healthy things because it gets out of your system. But do you realize in the same way that your body craves those foods, you can train your body to need things. You can train your body to need alcohol. You can train your body to need pornography. You can train your body to need pot. You can train your body to need crack. Or pretty soon, this becomes a part of who you are, and you start training yourself in these areas of the flesh, and they start holding you down. And not just those kinds of vices, not just the the drugs and the chemicals. You can train your body to need fear. You can train your body to need bitterness. And pretty soon it's easier to go to that place of bitterness than it is to that place of forgiveness. Why? Because that's what I do. When I start feeling this way, this is how my mind starts going. I need my bitter fix and I'll start talking about so-and-so, and I'll start complaining about this. And you know, you know people, if you're not maybe identifying with this, you know people whenever you go there, all they do is complain. All they do is gossip. All they do is start griping. What's going on? It's their fix. They need it. It is fueling their lives. And it will fuel our lives, these Things of the flesh, just like the caffeine, just like the sugar, comes the bitterness, comes the alcohol, comes these things that are destructive to us. Things that start to bring us down. 
what spiritual maturity and transformation is about, it's about retraining ourselves from wanting things that destroy us to the things that make us better. Retraining ourselves for the refined taste of what is good. And to do that, it has to be put into practice. We have an automatic tendency towards the things that destroy us. But what we need is to retrain ourselves to the things that heal us. And until you see what you're feeding yourself and what's fueling your life, and until you change that, you're not going to change. You're not going to grow. You're not going to mature. If you keep doing the same things, nothing is going to change. I love watching those cooking shows. They make such good food. I, I wish I had one of those chefs in our home. And they make it seem so easy. You know, they, th they have everything all measured out in these little cups. You know, here you throw in this and throw in this and throw in this. And they stir it up and, oh, that smells good. And they put it in the oven and then miraculously they have a new one already done. You know, there's no waiting. Here you have it right now, and it's good. What would happen if all you did was eat all this good and just rich food but never exercised? Well, don't look at me because you're seeing what will happen. <laughs> you get overweight. It, it starts to stay with you. And the same thing happens even when you come to church and you hear Bible study after Bible study and you hear all these good things, if they don't become a part of your action, it does no good. You know, you see some of these athletes who have like zero body fat and you see them eating just incredible amounts of food. You think, wow, I want to eat like that. Well, yeah, but then they go out and run 10 miles and then they go out and bike 15 miles, and then they go out swimming miles. And, and their body is exercising. They're taking it in, and they're exercising. You see, it's a matter of fueling for purpose. And I don't think a lot of us realize that when we fuel up spiritually, it's for a purpose. And just like we can fuel our lives with the negative things that produce then negative things, if we fuel our lives with good things but don't produce good things, it just stagnates and it becomes unhealthy. And in verse 22, he goes on and he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. The word spirit is the word pneuma. It has the idea of wind. And I love this picture. Let us keep in step with the wind of the Spirit. In other words, what he is doing, let us be doing. Why? Because we have killed those things that are of the flesh. We have put them to death. Now we have to keep in step with the Spirit. We have to actively be doing things that are producing the lives that we want. 
So it's not about coming to church. It's not about going to Bible studies. It's not about praying. It's not about, those are all great things, but they do no good if we're not keeping in step with the Spirit and exercising ourselves, putting the fuel that we get from God to work in the lives of those around us. If we don't do that, we don't grow up. And so many people are frustrated. I've gone to church. I've read the Bible. They know the Bible backwards and forwards. They know it better than I do. And they can quote scripture, but they live defeated lives. And you look at them and you say, the fuel that's in you is not keeping in step with the wind of the spirit. What's coming inside of you is going nowhere. And you're like that lawnmower that sits out in the backyard for too long. And even though it has gas in it, the gas has become contaminated and it won't start. You have to get some kind of purification to take place so that you can clean it out. And you need to put that back into practice. If you don't run that lawnmower, it's not going to run well. If you don't exercise your life in these things of the Spirit, if you don't keep in step with the wind of God, then you will not see growth in your life. And I know so many of you are here and you want to grow. You want to get past that. You have to do something. You have to exercise in these spiritual things. It's not a secret and it's not rocket science. It's something that is there. It's clear before our eyes. We need to see these things and recognize that we have the ability. We have the spirit. Paul tells us in Romans that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in your mortal bodies. That should give you goosebumps. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. So that you can move in the things of God just like Jesus did. And if you don't move, if you don't start acting, if you don't start living out these things that he told us about, if you don't start living out love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, who is someone you need to be patient with? Who's someone you need to show kindness to? It's not someone who's kind. That's easy. I don't have to show them anything. They're being kind to me. You have to be kind to the people who are irritating you. Because they're irritating you. Who irritates you? Practice kindness. Who do you need to show patience with? Your kids. Your spouse. Your boss. Your friends. Family. There's a lot of people you need to show patience to. But if you don't show patience, you're not keeping in step. I can't be patient. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. You can be patient. I can't forgive. You can forgive. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. What did Christ forgive you? 
That's what you're to give. But they're so annoying. It doesn't matter. You're annoying. <laughs> uh, you know that's true. Somewhere, someone to God. <laughs> but he's not annoyed. It's in the face of those things that the exercise of the spiritual life is put into practice. And if we never exercise the spiritual life, we never grow up. And you see, where do I want to be in my faith, in my life, in who I am as a follower of Christ? Where do I want to be? Because wherever that is, I have to take the responsibility to get there. So if I want to be a person who's mature, who has faith, so that when difficulties come, when the sickness comes, when you get the call you know, that the, the tests are in from the doctor's visit and you want to be able to face the cancer. You want to be able to face the disease, whatever it is, without crumbling when you find out your, your kids are sick and they're not going to get better and you want to be able to be strong for them and you want to be a person of faith for them. How can I be that? if I don't take the responsibility and exercise those things now. They will never happen. And when it happens, you will crumble and you will fall and you say, why can't I be like this, oh God? And you will cry out and you don't realize that now is the time to prepare for then. Now is the opportunity to, to fuel yourself so that when the time comes, when the tragedy comes, when the finances collapse, when you need to be that person who has faith in spite of the circumstances, who trusts God in spite of the difficulty, that you've already been putting it into practice. You are in step with the Spirit, and those things become a part of your life. And I think all of us in here want to be those people. We want to be that kind of man, that kind of woman, then you have to put these things into practice. You have to fuel yourself with the spiritual food that produces spiritual life. And you need to stop eating of the things that are destroying you. The things of the flesh. You have to make a change. Rethink the way you live. Recondition your life and the things that you do. And the same spirit that raised Jesus is going to help you to achieve these things. Setting our eyes on Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Keeping our goal on him so that we don't fall off track. I remember when my daughter took a dance class they wouldn't let us stay in the dance class. I don't know, it was stupid. It's like, she's four years old. I want to see her dance. Well, no, this is just for the kids. Oh, well. But I remember staying anyway and <laughs> sneaking in, watching it. And one of the things that the teacher said, you know, when they do that thing where they spin around, I don't know, pirouette or something. I don't know what it's called, but they spin around. You know, you ever wonder, how can they spin and spin and spin and spin and not get sick? I wonder that. Or those ice skaters, you know, when they... <laughs> They start just buzzing. How do you do that and not get over and start going like this? 
they have to keep their eyes fixed on something. So every time they spin around, they keep looking at that same point. And as the faster they go, pretty soon they stay locked in on that point and they don't get off balance because they're fixed on a point. We need to be fixed on Jesus. When the world starts spinning around us, I keep my focus. I know how I'm supposed to act. I know what I'm supposed to do. I maintain that spiritual life that keeps me moving in the right direction. And so I pray that we would take these things that we've gone over the past three weeks and put them into practice so that we can live lives that grow and mature into the things that Christ has for us. Let's pray. Father, it's so easy for us to be distracted. It's so easy for us to crave the things that aren't good for us. And just like the food that we want, just like the things that we desire that actually cause detriment to our bodies, Lord, there are things that cause detriment to our souls. There are things that we engage in that poison us. They keep us from maturing, keep us from growing up. And Lord, what we do need to put into practice are, are these things, the fruit of the Spirit. We need to exercise ourselves in these things. We need to love one another, even as you told us, and not be bitter, but to be forgiving, to be patient, to be kind. God, I pray that these things would be a part of who we are, that we would allow your Spirit to quicken our lives so that we can keep in step with you. So that when storms come, when difficulties arise, we have been fueled by you and the things that are positive, the things that have influence on us and those around us. To produce lives that honor you and help us to be what you told us here, free. God, we are free to do whatever we want. What do we want? And if what we want is unhealthy, God, we ask you to give us clarity on what we need to do to change. Help us to put aside the destructive behavior and to take up the behavior that is going to help us to fuel our lives and live for you. And we do ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.